Welcome, Wildcats, to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Volleyball Show. We want to remember, remind everyone we are a member of the Big Sky Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Colby Peterson. On the show today, we have uh, Jessica Euler, fresh off of, uh, I, I swear you you traveled recently. You went somewhere I saw on social media. Maybe... The most Didn't recent you? one I did was, you know, the road trip to Bozeman for Montana. Bozeman. You know, now we're just seeing at what point do I want to drive 10, 12 hours again? So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the, the road is always open to you, Jessica. That's what's great about America. At, at this point, it's like anytime I can sit in the rain and watch sports might be what I'm going for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'm sure you were. Uh, I think you've you got another driver. Right. <laughs> Just mix it up a little, right? Uh, definitely out there at Stewart Stadium this weekend, no doubt. Uh, taking in that rainy, uh, cold game. Oh, yeah. To lose to the to the Stingers, but whatever. Uh, but good. Glad, glad you're joining us here to, tonight to talk a little volleyball. We also have a new panelist for you all tonight. If you've been following Weber State softball, especially in the Weber State fans uh, Facebook group, you've probably uh, seen some of David's softball, posts. but volleyball. Sorry, volleyball, my bad. <laughs> volleyball, we're talking volleyball. And uh, if you've seen David's posts, you've probably seen him breaking down some of these volleyball matches. And so we thought, hey, let's bring David in to talk volleyball with us as we sort of work through and get closer to the conference season. So, David Moore, thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, joining the Weber State Weekly panel, man. Well, thank you for inviting me. I've really been enjoying following the team for the last few years, bringing a few posters to the game, uh, cheering them on, and uh, they've been doing really well since I've been watching. So hopefully I had a tiny part of that. <laughs> That's true. If you've been to club Swenson, you will notice that David and his wife are the ones bringing the signs. And I, I'm very pro bringing signs, whether that's to the purple palace, Stewart stadium, club Swenson. I love that stuff, man. So if you see David out there, don't leave him hanging folks, bring your signs to club Swenson. As we take in volleyball matches, as we got just a couple left on the home schedule. Um, but yeah, David, Love the signs, love the enthusiasm, man. Yeah, it's good to uh, have some uh, sports to cheer on. It's nice to have a, a good local volleyball, volleyball team. Yeah, good one indeed. So let's talk a little bit about today's show. We're going to do some match analysis of last weekend's sets against Idaho and Eastern Washington, both at Club Swenson. Uh, then we'll take a look at the upcoming matches for this week. Wildcats are taking their final trip to on the road because they will be playing the conference tournament at home at Club Swenson, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But this road trip will see the Wildcats go up technically up to Northern Arizona uh, at 6,600 feet up there. And then they'll also uh, take a trip over to Greeley to face hated rival, Northern Colorado. Um, uh, yeah, man. And so we'll see how that one goes. But before we get into all of that analysis, want to encourage everybody to subscribe to the show, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, also on YouTube, good places to find Weber State Weekly and these shows. Uh, also, if you could, please take some time, rate us on those platforms. Really appreciate you giving us a thumbs up, subscribing on YouTube, subscribing on any of those channels, but also giving us those ratings. They really make a difference. Help us find our way into the ears of more Wildcat fans, wherever they may be. Social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all good places to interact with us. I've been hitting the, the um, I've been getting on social media a lot lately, trying to get more folks to come on the show. And so we've got, uh, particularly in football, we've got a number of, of former players that will be joining us in the coming weeks. So look forward to that. Um, need to do the same thing for volleyball though. But um, social media, a great place to interact with us. And then, of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash Weber State Weekly. Appreciate our folks, our patrons. They really um, they really make it happen. So thank you to our patrons. Love you guys. 
So, folks, let's talk a little bit about last week. Um, as we said, Wildcats at home at Club Swenson to face uh, the Idaho Vandals, and then on Saturday facing Eastern Washington Eagles. So, let's start with Idaho. Wanted to kind of give you guys just some like an opening salvo. Talk to me about kind of the way you felt at the end of that Idaho match. Give, give me kind of your feelings when that one was all said and done. I actually want to back up to the start of the Idaho match um, because uh, I have never seen Weber pass as accurately as they did in the opening section of that match. You know, it's not just avoiding passing errors, but it's putting the ball right on the net, right to the to the right of the middle where you can do absolutely anything with the ball. It just makes Kate's life so much easier to have a perfect set or to have a perfect pass. And I I never saw a streak like that. And they, they only ended up going seven and six while they were in that streak. Obviously they weren't doing any passing when they ran off a whole string of points after that. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I don't know what got into the team there, but they just came out so precise um, that it's like, okay, this one's going to going to go well. Yeah. And I think just building on what David said, it was good to see the team come together like that. We've seen a lot of rotations throughout the season and we've seen, you know, different sets of players just play differently together as we're starting to get some of those freshmen out there playing and to come out and win against Idaho. And when we had some disappointing matches beforehand, yeah. I think it was great to see the team come together and really start to mesh. I think we're starting to see what our lineup is going to look like kind of long-term. And it was good to have a win under our belt because I think it helped us even, you know, a couple days later. Yeah, I agree because obviously the Wildcats had just one match the previous week and it was to the Stripes, um, drop that match three sets to one at Club Swenson. Nobody, nobody, I think, here at Weaver State Weekly expected that to be an L. I think everybody had that penciled in as especially the streak that, the, that Idaho state had been on to that point. They, I think they were on like a five or six match losing streak. And so it was just uh, looked all for all intents and purposes, like uh, a very winnable match and the Wildcats had a, a tough time and dropped it. So it was good to see them bounce back in this match against Idaho and just make sure they took care of business, get back to winning ways. Um, I think, I think you're right too, Jessica, that, getting this one, getting that sweep under the belt. Um, I think that they were left wanting a little bit at the end of that Idaho sweep. It wasn't as dominant maybe as they had hoped. And so I think that, that kind of fueled them going into the Eastern Washington match on Saturday to really take better care and follow through and make sure that, that they didn't feel that way again at the end of that match on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it w I also thought this was the first time where um, the whole match, they used the same rotations. Um, you know, they used the same back row substitutions. They used the same libero. They used the same front row. It's like clockwork. Um, this is this is finally our lineup. And uh uh, I'm happy because it was their Valkyrie lineup that I uh, enjoy watching where they've got uh, Emma, Brielle and Ashley starting along the front, just being this giant wall of blondes 
uh, intimidating the other teams. So, uh, uh, of course, in the next match, they did change the lineup a, a bit because um, uh, Charlie didn't play against Idaho, but then she got in uh, in the maybe just the last set against Eastern Washington. So, um, uh, but yeah, I, I remember all season, it seemed like the coach has been tinkering with his lineup every game or, or at least every match. And, uh, that Idaho match, it's just, nope, we're good. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the Idaho match and dig in a little bit deeper. So in the first set against Idaho, Weber state had almost had that, that five Oh run, but then they, uh, or they did have that five Oh run or uh, sorry, almost had a five Oh run then ended with a service error. And we've talked a little bit about that this season, about how sometimes service errors kind of kill the momentum that they had. They have luckily it doesn't phase them in this case. This is about mid set. They go on another four Oh run. And that kind of is the thing that pulls them away and gives them this opportunity to kind of like close it out. But I wanted to ask, do you think that they're getting a little bit more resilient in those situations where normally they're rolling and they make a mistake, it gives the other team an opportunity to get back in and mentally they have some issues and the, the team, the opposite team kind of makes those runs to find their way back into the set when the Wildcats are on the cusp of pulling away. How do you see their bounce back from, you know, mistakes like that? Do you, do you see it as yes, they're getting more resilient or you see it as um, well, you know, that in that case they did, but there's still more work to do. Um, and I thought the whole Idaho match, like you're saying, it wasn't a really dominating match. It was kind of, uh, they played well enough to well enough to sweep. That's pretty good. Um, but uh, I don't know. I it didn't seem like they were ever flying that high, even when they got their streaks. So um, yeah, it's hard for me to judge uh, exactly what was going through their heads. I think what helped even a little bit with this is I think, yeah, we're getting more resilient. I think sticking with the same lineup throughout the match is helpful because you know, it's a predictable group that you're out there with, but Idaho had quite a few service errors as well throughout. So that helped, I think our, you know, just our headspace whenever they're having mistakes too. So I think we are be becoming more resilient and saying, Hey, that's just one, you know, there's, fewer times it feels like we're calling timeout just to bring ourselves back together, right? Because earlier in the season, it seems like there would be quite a time, a few times that Maya would use a timeout to be like, okay, let's just take a breather here. Um, and we're using less of those. So I think that's because we're getting in a space where we're kind of self-correcting. Um, but I do think this particular one helped because Idaho had quite a few service errors themselves. Yeah. And, and, and like, do you all think that that's like a chemistry thing where now we're nearing the end of their first season, you know, playing some of these ladies had played club together, but as a unit, as a group, this, you know, this wildcat team has now played almost an entire season together. There's some chemistry there. They spent a lot of time. They've gotten with the coaching staff. Do you think that that's also a factor in, you know, bouncing back and being able to self-correct Jessica? Is that how you see it? 
I do. I mean, I think a lot of it helps. I think Michaela is libero helps a lot. Like I feel like in that position, she's helping to manage and you can kind of watch her doing that. And so I think that having the team mesh together is really helping them work through issues together. But I also, I, I, you know, I'm repeating myself a little bit here, but I think the consistency helps as well. So absolutely. Um, I think it's helping him work through and it just, you know, I say this all the time, but it makes me so, so excited that we have such a team of freshmen because to get to this point, right. There were points in this season where I was like, okay, so we're going to let this one go. Right. Like it's a growing pains is what we called them throughout the season. Right. Yeah. There were so many times this season. I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like we're going to get through this year and next year we're going to be good. But to be tied for first place right now, Holy bananas. Like I'm just so excited with a team of freshmen like this. I think it's great. Yeah. Now, did you see that Idaho has even more freshmen than Weber does? No way. Yes. They've got like eight. Oh, well, I mean, that's good news. for. And it's a first year coach. Yeah. And and they have a first year head coach as well. And so completely new regime up in Moscow. Yeah. I think, I think they're not doing well this year, but that's going to set them up better for next year but yeah i was looking at that roster and it's like how can they have more freshmen on their roster than weaver does yeah Uh, they do yeah and we've talked about this in some of the other podcasts that talked about how it's good that idaho's back in the conference i think uh having them in the footprint um they're a school that i think will improve in many aspects in football they i think they're ahead of schedule this year but as time goes on um they're just the kind of school that has the resources to invest in so i think that they'll eventually become a player in the big sky and kind of settle in they've settled in in some other sports they'll continue to do that and in some of these ones that they haven't quite yet and i like having idaho in the conference yeah but David, I wanted to ask you, because Jessica mentioned this a little bit earlier, that Michaela Sorensen playing libero throughout the Idaho match. Do you think that she's kind of settled back into that role now? Or do we might we see her play outside again in some of these remaining matches in the season? I don't think you will. Um, you know, when they've been doing these lineup changes every single match, it's been, can we get... Uh, good enough libero play out of someone else that Michaela can go hit in the front line. Um, Cause I'm sure she'd like to, um, but, uh, but every match it seemed like, no, we, we need to get Michaela in that other Jersey and, uh, and have her solidify our serve receive. Cause you know, as the libero, she's going to be receiving a third. Well, she's going to be there in every service Mm-hmm. Uh, reception rotation and um uh with ashley having such a good weekend or yeah such a good weekend as well that solidifies her place um starting outside and so i i think that we've seen their real lineup now that you know there's still some question of who's going to be playing some back row defensive specialist but I think we're just going to see Michaela the rest of the time and Ashley the rest of the time uh, in those roles that they had um, in Idaho and again in again or against Idaho and against Eastern Washington. 
And I completely agree. And I think what we'll, we might see is exactly what you pointed out earlier, David, where if we're going to sweep again in that third set, we might bring out Charlie. And we've talked about it a little bit before. I think Charlie is one heck of a server and I can't wait to see how she develops over time as well. And just to get that experience there, but to get us through the rest of the season and be sitting at the top where we are, then it makes sense to stick with Michaela and Ashley moving forward. Right. And I feel like they've, um, you know, bounced back and forth between uh, Charlie and Macy um, in the different matches, you know. um, And uh, uh, I mean, Charlie had that amazing 18 dig match. Um, What was that last week? No, that was the week before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she really showed what she can do when she's on her game. And I think that shows why she's been getting all of these starts, but then it hasn't worked out in the actual match play, except for that one really awesome match. Right. So, um, you know, I, I kind of understood why she disappeared against Idaho, but I was glad to see her be getting another chance against Eastern Washington. At the same time, I thought that maybe that was because um, um, Maya, you know, was looking at what uh, Macy was doing and not switching. Mm -hmm. But then it's been interesting to see Jada's uh, solidified her role all the time in that in that position as as the season's gone on. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen her quite a bit. Um, and so I wanted to ask one, one, one more question about this Idaho match. So the Wildcats needed a late six Oh run in the third set to kind of close things out. Uh, they were down 19 to 16. And so that six Oh run, you know, puts them up 22, 19. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And then Idaho gets a couple and they tie it at 22. And so I, I kind of wondered, did you all feel that, it was mental lapse that put them in that situation in the first place where it was like, why are they down 1916 to Idaho in the third set? Because Idaho is the worst team in the conference. Um, or is it more of a like, listen, Colby, it's the big side conference. Anybody can be anybody. You know that you saw what happened against the stripes just a couple of uh, week ago. Um, how did you all see that, that close out to this, to the match where they needed that six Oh run. Idaho comes back, ties it at 22. And then the Wildcats go on to, you know, close five. Um, let me just make, make sure I got this right. <laughs> I was on the wrong set. And the Wildcats go out and they close it. You know, they go on a, a little short little 3-0 run there to just end it at 25-22. Um, I would say that uh, how many freshmen are on the team? You know, you still you still have to to learn how to win, how to close out, how to stay solid when you're ahead. Um, uh, You know, this is going to be a learning season. If we have, if we have success closing out the season, if we have success in the tournament, that's awesome. Um, But, uh, but, you know, some of these younger players just need to work their way through it. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is to, you know, I mean, we've seen us as a team personally come back after being down 
a couple of sets, right? And so motivation is strong for the other team. And I think us combined with, like David saying, a strong freshman team that needs to close out combined with an Idaho team who's got nothing to lose, right? I think we're going to see some things like that from time to time. And I think the bigger part of this is that we were able to come back, right? Because whenever we've had close set so many times throughout the season. And I think that's exactly what it is. We're new working on closing, but they also, we have teams that are going to come in strong at the end too. So I was proud of us for still being able to pull it out there in the end. Yeah. And there's just a really classic volleyball plot of one team winning the first two sets. The other one picks off the third. And then the team that won the first two finishes the thing finishes the job, you know, and sometimes the other team manages to pick off the third set and sometimes they don't. And so, uh, you know, that's pretty standard (laughs) mentally. You you all made good points. Obviously we've talked about it all season, a young team learning to play together, learning to close matches. Like you were saying, David, the tournament is just around the corner, just a couple of weeks away. uh, And even though it will be, at, at Club Swenson this year. Do you think that they are going to feel that pressure going into the conference tournament? Or will they be more like what you were saying with Idaho, Jessica, where it's like, we've got nothing to lose because nobody expects anything from us really at this point. It's house money. You're in the conference tournament. So just play loose and just see what it brings you. No one expects you to, you know, to be the conference champion. So just see what you can do. Or do they get a little bit tight and feel like, okay, now it's conference tournament time. The lights are getting brighter. I don't know. How do you, how do you see them? I think that all comes down to Maya a little bit, no pressure to him. Right. But part of it's how you set up the team because we're absolutely going to start to get in that place. Cause even though nobody expected us to be first place right now, we are, we don't want to let go of that. Right. And I think when that happens, we tend to start to forget like, gosh, this is incredible. Like ride this wave. Right. And so I'm hoping that a combination of, uh, we got nothing to lose, right? Like we can take this, go out there and play, you know, if we take that approach. And the other thing is we have, we show up good for show up good. That's like me talking Arkansas speak as well. That is. Um, but when it comes to conference tournament, just we have had fantastic showings in prior years, right? So if yeah. we can have our fan base show up, that's going to be a motivating factor for our team as well. And I think it'll make a big difference. Yeah. Very club swings, especially when the mm-hmm. folks are there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so David, I, I kind of wanted to get your take on that. I mean, like you said, it is a young team. Teams have to learn how to win. It could be that Maya is obviously going to do his best to prepare them to say like, listen guys, like just go play volleyball. We've seen flashes of, of the team that they can be. I I think a good example is that Sac state match in Ogden a few weeks ago where we didn't know how it was going to go. And they just totally boat raced Sac state and sent them home. Like it was just a stunning match where it was like, wow, this team is really something. Also, we were looking at the conference standings before we started this. And I was stunned to, to go through and realize that both uh, Montana, Montana is eight and five in conference play right now. Montana state is seven and six. Um, I thought that they were worse off than that. Apparently they are not. Uh, those two schools will come to club Swenson at the end of the season. And so, um, 
I just wonder if like the, pr- the pr- pressure is ratcheting up as the season goes on, because I thought that once we get past this weekend's matches, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be f- smooth sailing, uh, but maybe right. not. Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, that this week will be really telling, um, you know, the fact that Portland state that has just looked so dominant, then lost, three in a row, including two in Montana. Uh, what happened there? Are they going to bounce back into form and, and come into the tournament uh, uh, extra hungry because they, they had that little losing streak. Um, what, you know, what happens when we go to Greeley and, and play Northern Colorado? What, what happens in the regular season is going to have this huge influence on how much momentum each of those teams has uh, going into the tournament. So great thing about sports is you don't know what's going to happen until it does. And uh, play the game. uh, And we don't even know what, you know, we don't know who's going to be lead. Who's going to be the number one seed. We don't know what, what the momentum's going to be. So, uh, you know, I'm more curious about this week than the tournament this so far because because uh, that's going to have so much impact. Yeah, I mean, six teams in the conference right now, separated by a total of just three games. That's pretty tight. You know, you could extend that even down to. I mean, you could say seven teams within four four matches. I think that maybe that's a stretch, but three matches the difference between six teams at the top of the conference. So, wow. But let's turn our attention to the Eastern Washington match now. Um, you talked about the impact of Ashley Knighting. She had a big, big match against Eastern. She hit 435 on 23 attempts, only two errors in that one. I checked the the, the numbers in it and I was like, I wonder if she's had a, if this is her best match ever in a Wildcat uniform. She had similar numbers against San Jose State, or uh, the second match I think she ever played in as a Wildcat. What do you think was the difference for her in this one? Because there's a big gap between that San Jose State match and this Eastern Washington match. I mean, I think she's just t- took the next step up in maturity. I think that uh, uh, the way they were riding her hot hand, it reminded me of how they go to Danny a lot of times. With Danny, a lot of times it's bailing out because they don't have a lot of options. And this time it's like, no, we're just going to feed her because she's going over the block and down, I think was what was happening. Um, So I I wouldn't be surprised for this to just be the new normal for Ashley. And and that's great, right? That's absolutely great. If that continues to be, because I mean, she's not going to hit 435 every game. Although she does fine by me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know, if that number could right. stay f- relatively elevated um, and she continues to hit at a, at a clip with so few mistakes, I mean, my goodness, what a player. Jessica, what's your take? Yeah, I think she was just incredible. And I think we found something that works, right? Like Eastern Washington had an incredible block. Like there were a couple of times I'm pulling up their roster. I'm like, how tall are these women? Because they are, their front was all over six foot, right? And some of them well over six foot. And Ashley was able to get through there and had one heck of a night. And it is one of those times where exactly like David said, you find what's working and you make it happen. And 
Um, I think we'll continue to see stuff like this once we have that lineup that we're sticking with. Right. I think that that makes a big difference for this. And Ashley found her groove and we were like, okay, take it. Yeah. I mean, a good point. Now, speaking of their height though, I thought one of the most hilarious things in that match was the tallest person on their team, Ehukiala, Mm-hmm. only played back row. She only substituted yes. in and played back row. Yes, that's what I was going <laughs> Even their back rows tall. They are. <laughs> yes. And it's not like she went and hit out of the back row. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. she just uh, uh, is a good passer and apparently a good floor cleaner because she had her towel tucked into her shorts the yes, whole time. She did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, seniors, get uh, to do the dirty work or something on that team. I, I, I went and talked to the coach after, cause it's like, you know, we had Danny play libero when her shoulder, was it her shoulder that was injured? I think so. Yeah. I, I, can't yeah, remember. When, I, I don't remember what the, exactly the injury was, but she was out. It was you know? shoulder. Injury, yeah. Right. And so she could play, but couldn't play front row. So I it's like, swing, Oh yeah. yeah. Our Danny, uh, Danny Richens, our libero. Right. And, uh, it, but I, I thought they did us one better. Oh, so I asked the coach, you know, has she got an injury or something that she's just playing the back? And he's like, no, she's healthy. Like, okay. But but that was that was the oddest thing I thought mm-hmm. in that match. Yeah, well, Jessica, a good point. Like you said, uh, the Wildcats lead the conference in blocks. I mean, right now, in fact, the Wildcats in in the nation they are twenty first. They, they average two point six blocks a set, and so in this match, Eastern right there with them. Wildcats end up with eight. Eastern ends up with seven. So mm-hmm. it was a good, I mean, a good showing by them in that way, uh, but they were just deficient in others. Yeah. And one of those ways was that, I mean, the Wildcat offense did a fairly good job. They had these really good, large chunk runs in this Eastern Washington match. And one of those was, I mean, that first set was a little bit of a nail biter uh, because, <laughs> You know, it kind of, you know, went into quote unquote extras, as it were, in volleyball, kind of. Um, Wildcats ended up taking the set 26-24, but they needed a 6-0 run to close that one out. Um, I know, and because they they were were in their, you notice they were in their Valkyrie lineup for that run, right? That was Ashley, Brielle, and Emma putting up the big block for that run. So it's like, yeah, we're in that situation, but, but we've got, um, that front line plus Danny as an option out of the back. Um, that's just our power, our power rotation right there. So I was a bit, you know, if you have to be in that, uh, must win situation, I was glad that, that, uh, it was doing it, um, in our best rotation. Yeah, because, I mean, Eastern had some runs of their own in that set to to be competitive. And I think it was really, really critical that the Wildcats pulled that one off because it felt like winning that first set, 26-24, maybe deflates Eastern a little bit, right? Whereas should they pull it off, they might gain some confidence in the way that Idaho State did, where Idaho State, they get through 
And then it's like, wait a minute, we can play. And they have a little bit of confidence and then they're playing a little bit more loosely. This was not the case, it seemed, with Eastern because the Wildcats go on that big run to close them out. You know, the Wildcats were down 24-20 at that point. Like, Eastern was knocking on the door, ready to close out that first set, and the Wildcats come roaring back and win it in 26, uh, win it 26-24. So, big swing. Um, I think sort of like what you all talked about a little bit earlier learning to close out sets and close out games. Another big example of that and learning how to win, learning which lineups, like you said, David, are the ones that will be needed to get some of those points when the chips are down. Um, I think it, that, that, that set, which feels dumb because it's like, it was the first set Colby. There was tons more volleyball to play, but maybe in some ways it sets the tone because Eastern never gets close again. Right. Yeah. Right. It gave us momentum that I think carried us throughout the rest because I think it would have been easy to, you know, think what we were just talking about, like, man, they're just as good at blocking us as we are. Right. And I think bringing in that lineup and, you know, closing out gave us the momentum that it kind of took us through the rest of the match. And is that the sort of thing in reverse from what happened with the uh, Idaho State match? Yes. Yeah. It's like that critical moment where, you know, it, it goes the opposite way, completely shifts the momentum away from, you know, Eastern where the stripes ended up with that momentum. Plus, you know, there were, there were a fair contingent of Idaho state fans in the crowd that night because of local product. Emery Satwala was there. Um, yeah. The number of her family members were there to cheer her on understandable. Right. And she had a good, uh, she had a good match, but mm-hmm. if that first set goes differently, are we, all alone in first place right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Potentially. You never know. That's why we play the game, right, David? That's why yeah. we play the yeah. game. But I want to talk a little bit about Brielle Rickert here uh, because Brielle had a, a really phenomenal night. She continues to hit at a really high clip. Right now, she leads the conference in hitting percentage. We talked about that last week. She continues to do so, and she's closing in on 100 kills in her young career. Um, and keep in mind that she is not a player that started the season. We saw Sonny Katoa, who really started the season. Um, Sonny, I think, has been out with some injury. And it's given Brielle this opportunity to kind of show up. And she has continued to do so. She had another really big game. Ends up with 12 kills on 23 attempts. Just two errors, 435. Uh, oops, sorry, that was that was, that was was Ashley, my bad. That was six kills on 12 attempts with just one error. It's 417 in this one. I mean, it feels like in the middle where the Wildcats were so thin last year, that's no longer the case. There are so many options in the middle this year. Right. And I, checking my notes, I, I realized I was talking about that streak of perfect passes as if it happened in the Idaho game, but it was actually in the Eastern Washington game where they got all those passes. And having a perfect pass makes such a big difference to the hitting percentage for the for the middle because when the setter is just one step off the net then you're having to look back to pick up the ball and you're not able to see the block nearly as well whereas if the pass is right on the net then you can be looking at the blockers as well as the ball and uh, and hit for that high percentage so 
you know, the, the hitting percentage of the middles has so much to do with, with having perfect passes that, uh, that Weber was having to, to a high degree in that Eastern Washington match. Yeah. And you see it often, right? Where when the ball gets close to the net and the setter is, like you said, David, close, they, they don't have to put it up very high, right? And the middles, usually if, if it's that close to the net and they're putting it up, the middle is going to send it with authority. That happens all the time. And that's a very, very difficult ball to dig out. So oftentimes a kill and it's all set up because, like you said, David, of those good passes. Right. Yeah, we... You know, on the worst passing nights, you see the only time that, that Kate is setting the middle, she might be two steps off the net and shooting it forward toward the toward the middle hitter. And they have no, you know, they can get one on one blocked in the middle in that case. If you're if you've got the pass in the right place, you have so many options as a middle hitter to turn it in different directions that you're always going to be able to evade them. Yeah, totally agree. Last thing I wanted to talk about here in the Eastern match was um, Danny Richens, another tough night for her. She ends up just hitting 100 on uh, 30 attempts, five errors. Um, And like we said, Eastern, not necessarily, their block was better uh, in this this match. Like we said, they're right there with the Wildcats. But it seems like I went back and looked through some of the numbers and uh, Danny's had a uh, she's had a rough year where anytime that she has a good game, it's usually followed by some sort of um, rough night for her. And I just wondered, um, what do you guys think is causing that for her? Because she was very, very consistent. You know, the last couple of years, it's one of the reasons why she was conference valuable player last year. Um, she was an, uh, a first team All American, or I mean, a first team All Conference player the year before, both years. Uh, but this year, it's it's been a little bit different. What do you think is causing that for her where she's, she'll have a great game and then she'll have a little bit of a down game? I think part of it is just having such a new team, right? And it's yeah, a lot of pressure on Danny to continue to maintain, right? To be this awesome for so long and to, you know, kind of be the leader of the team in many regards, right? It's a, it can, I'm going to imagine, feel like a lot of pressure for her to both maintain her own awesomeness with having a brand new team and also taking on a role of kind of, you know, helping to facilitate team dynamics overall. So I think that we're just seeing her adjust and she's still incredibly awesome. She's got a lot going on. It feels like. Yeah. One thing I was thinking. It's interesting to compare with last year. Um, I thought last year she had, uh, sort of a slow whole series of games, especially before the conference got started, um, where her passing was off. And uh, uh, maybe she's uh, spreading out her her weaker games around the season more this year than, than uh, what happened last year. Um, it's also, you know, the the... Rylan and and Danny last year had so many attempts. Uh, I I thought they rode them too heavily. Um, Just, you know, when their passing wasn't great, it's like, and we're going to Danny again, and we're going to Danny again. Uh, And it's, um, you know, it hasn't been 
that same way. And I, but I, I don't know what knowing you're going to get a massive number of swings uh, every time or a, or a slightly less massive number of swings. I, I, I'm not sure what that, that does, if that somehow plays into that um, on off game thing you're noticing in the statistics. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about David, that kind of was a, a portion of that was that in those seasons, you mentioned Rylan Adams, right? That there was this opportunity that it wasn't always just Danny nay. Now Danny Richens, who the Wildcats could go to, they could, they had a couple of options, right? And Rylan Adams, you know, also an all American in, in her own right, uh, a conference player of the year in her own right in the, in the spring season, you know? And so, there was a split. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily all about Danny all the time because there were options. Whereas this year, it's taken a little bit, a bit of time, like you both have mentioned, that working through lineups, getting players comfortable in them with the new coaching staff and understanding their role in that. And you have Danny as somebody who is familiar with that system, has played in that system for, and been successful in that system for a number of years. And when the system isn't necessarily working because the players are still learning it. The obvious thing is to, like you said, David, go to Danny because she knows what to do. And that draws the defense a little bit to say, okay, well, if we just go over here and we double her and we shut that down, their offense is going to have a hard time finding points. And so she's going to get a lot of attempts, but the defense is aware of those attempts and they, you know, they gravitate toward it, which makes it difficult for her to find the floor. It seems like maybe that's letting up now because the, the team is figuring it out. We're having good games from like Ashley Knighting and others. And so uh, we've, you know, Emma Mangum has had a number of really good games this season. And so it feels like next season should probably be a return to form is my guess of the, the yeah. Danny Richens that we've seen in the past. Agreed. Yeah. It's also been interesting. I mean, she was our, our ace queen last year. Yeah. And uh, what happened? I, did, um, I think I had that same thought a little bit too, that she was hitting all kinds of aces. Yeah. Wildcats have not been as dominant from the service line. We've talked a little bit about that, right? Um, I, I'm still using hashtag a state folks still doing it, but you know, you both make a good point that the Wildcats not as dominant. We've talked about that a couple of shows ago about how once again, players getting coached up by this coaching staff. We know that the more time that these new players spend with them, the more uh, they will be able to get those skills honed. But um, if you know, yeah, my that wife was bringing up the possibility that, that it might be more about the big sky than about Weber. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious for you to, to research this Colby. Um, if you've got a team that's, you know, near the top of the country in aces, does that mean that in the preseason that all the other teams say, hey, we have really got to to drill on service reception because we're going to be facing a challenging opponent right. in that area? Um, so has the whole big sky leveled up in their, in their server seat? That'd be an interesting question to look at. Yeah. Look at the numbers potentially overall compared, you know, last year compared to this year, how teams right. get in their serve receive. Is it getting better? Cause you make a good point, David, where if teams know that that's on the scouting report, 
they're going to have to try and prepare for that. And especially where there aren't as many strong servers on the team, you prepare your service, uh, your server receive a little bit differently to say like, okay, these are the folks that we need to watch out for. So we're more apt to be ready for those serves to come over and we'll be able to dig them out and run, run our system. Right. Yeah. One of the things I, you know, you always see that uh, after an ACE is a typical time for a timeout to occur. Uh, and uh, that happened in Eastern Washington. There was one uh, drop serve that landed in front of Danny and Jada without either of them taking a step. Uh, and, uh, and uh, uh, Maya took a, a timeout right there. And I'm always curious, is she, uh, is he uh, call, calling that timeout to uh, say, move your darn feet? Or is he trying to ice the server because the the server on the next serve just had a terrible service error right in the yeah. bottom of the net? It's like, okay, good job. That works. Yeah, like icing so. the kicker, right? <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess I have to continue to watch and see, you know, the success rate of, of, calling those timeouts and see, but uh, let's yeah, look when, forward. Uh, I'm always hoping when they do that to our team, it's like, get this one over. <laughs> get it back. Yeah. Just don't, don't let them, don't let them keep it going. Yeah. Let's take a little look forward now. Like we said, uh, last road trip of the regular season for Wildcats. Um, so we'll be taking the trip up to Northern Arizona, just doing some digging in the conference stats about Northern Arizona. Their only conference wins so far this season have been, been against Eastern Washington and strangely Northern Colorado. <laughs> Northern Colorado has dropped some really weird matches this season. This was one. Um, I think part of that is probably because they're playing in Flagstaff. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, are you nervous about the Flagstaff match? Weird things happen in Flagstaff. How are you feeling about facing Northern Colorado or I mean Northern Arizona in Flagstaff at 6,600 feet? Think it's a factor or think they can deal with it? It's never my favorite, yeah. but I do feel like we already had one team we looked past, right? So Idaho State, yeah. I feel like we looked past them a little bit and it, it showed. And I think that that will make us be more prepared for Northern Arizona, um, knowing that this is a game where we have to play all in and keep a consistent lineup just to get ready for Northern Colorado. Um, but uh, always a little anxious in flag stuff, but I do yeah. think that just having that Idaho state experience already is going to help us be more prepared for Northern Arizona. Yeah, that is a hope. Yeah. And I, I'm, uh, fairly new to the Northern Arizona jinx. So, uh, <laughs> I, you'll see I'll it have to see it for myself or hopefully yeah. not see it for myself. I think a prime example of the Northern Arizona jinx is in the, the shortened spring season of 2021. The Wildcats blew through the entire conference and lost one match that year before becoming conference champions and going on to the NCAA tournament. That one match was in Northern Arizona, was in Flagstaff. And uh, they came, they bounced back from it. They, they, they walloped the, the Jacks in the second game of that, you know, that series because they had to play two in one location that year. And, but yeah, man, it's just a thing, but talking a little bit more about the team itself, any of you is not. So I going through the stats was like, okay, they're not great defensively. 
they have some offensive problems. They're dead last in the conference in opponent digs, dead last in the conference in opponent kills, opponent assists. They're eight out of 10 teams in the conference in opponent blocks and opponent hit percentage. So the question was this, um, the offense has not been great. I think defense has been a calling card of this team, this Wildcat team this season. There's an opportunity to maybe tune some things up offensively. David, you talked about getting better at the passing game, getting that set because you're going to need to be very sharp for the following match, which is Northern Colorado at the bank in Greeley. Do you see this as an opportunity to work on some of those offensive things and get that going to roll in with a little bit of confidence going into Greeley? Because that is going to be an absolutely difficult match. Right. Um, One thing that, uh, you know, it's not directly about Northern Arizona, but when we were playing that match against Idaho State, one of the uh, one of the trickier things on offense is your block coverage. And that is if you get blocked, can you pick up the ball uh, without it going down for a point? And you really have to be ready uh, and set up because those plays happen so fast. It's awesome to watch uh, Kate Stanford in that situation because she really responds to the, oh, there's the ball. Uh, situation better than better than anybody else on the team um and against idaho state the team was was pretty weak in that uh in that block coverage situation and they got a lot better against idaho i i'm guessing that that there was some coaching emphasis of hey you might want to be ready in case we get blocked and it, it wasn't quite as good against eastern washington so i hope that that uh, that against Northern Arizona, they get a chance to to really be working on that. Uh, you know, Northern Arizona might not block them much, but um, but let's be ready for when they do. Hmm. Uh, Jessica, I'm gonna give you a final word. Any any last things to say about the Jacks before we talk about the Bears? Mm-mm. No, I don't want to talk about them. I'm just going to get through it. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Let's move on. Right, Let's thanks talk. anything. We're going to get through it. It's going to be great. Let's talk about hated rival Northern Colorado. Guys, this is it. This is the Wildcats one match against Northern Colorado. Uh, we've seen them. I, I went back and looked four of the last. We've seen them in each of the last four conference tournaments. Not all have been in the championship game. Three of those were in the conference championship. Uh, The Bears have won two. The Wildcats have won one. But uh, the one in 2018 was in the second round of the conference tournament where the Wildcats uh, got swept. So hated rival. um, But one thing I wanted to point out was, like we said earlier with Northern Arizona, uh, uh, there's been some really weird matches where Northern Colorado has lost. They lost to... Idaho State and Pocatello. They lost to Northern Arizona and Flagstaff. But then they also have had some really dominant wins where, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was actually last week, they took the roadie out to Sacramento State and then up to Portland State, handled both of those games. Um, I don't know. This is a home game for them. It's a home match in Greeley. Do you think that there's, is there an opportunity you think for them to mentally maybe not be ready or, because if you remember the game in Ogden last year, it was the last volleyball match that I went to before we moved to Nashville. Pummeled them. 
absolutely Northern Colorado was not ready for that match in Ogden. They just got absolutely decimated and it was like, wow, what a performance. How do you see this one? I mean, Northern Colorado has had their ups, but they've also had their downs. Uh, I think that we have to hope that, uh, that Ashley has seen, has shown her new face and that uh, Brielle goes off again. Cause if the two of them go off, and and uh, hit for that high percentage, then game on. Um, uh, and if uh, if we get bit by our freshmanness, then maybe game off. So uh, the, the, you know we definitely got a a puncher's chance in there. Yeah, I'm kind of sitting right there. Um, Northern Colorado has a really heavy freshman team too. Whenever I look at both teams, like we've just got a lot of similarities, right. And a lot of history. And I think when you come down to those two things, it makes a big difference. And, um, I I think it's going to be interesting to see. And what just makes me happy is we got the conference tournament right after it. So whatever happens, I, I think, you know, we've got another opportunity right around the corner there. I am not sure Um, how this one is going to go. I think it's just going to depend on how we show up that day. Kind of exactly what David was saying. Like it's going to depend on the headspace we're in. Heck it's going to depend on how much sleep we got the night before it's, there's just a lot of different factors there. And I think it's just going to be a real close game. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go into four or five sets. And I think it'll be a, a good one to watch. Yeah, I hope so. Right. Yeah. Do you think that emotions are a part of this? Because there are a number of new faces on the Wildcat side. Obviously, you know, the, the that core group of Wildcats who faced the Bears a number of times and lost at their hands, but also won in that spring season. Um, many of those faces are gone now. But on the flip side, there is some experience still on the Bears side that remember at least last year. and so you know, is that rivalry, that emotion there, or is it too many new faces on both sides for it to really be terribly hot? I'm going with it's terribly hot. Okay. <laughs> Cause it, it could yeah. be from first place, right? Like it could be if the Wildcats win on Thursday night in Flagstaff, they're playing both team is playing for first place with a week to go in the conference um, regular season. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited. One of the things that um, they could be an important deciding factor. I watched the, um, uh, the Portland state, Northern Colorado match. And what I was really impressed with, with both teams um, is what I guess is now called the transition game. You know, Weber's got offense has got awesome defense, but we don't always get a great attack out of that defense. There's a lot of passing the ball over the net after, after a dig, there's not um, necessarily getting the big swings in uh, coming right back from the other team's big swings. And, and that's what I was noticing Northern Colorado and Portland state do so well when they were hammering on each other was that, that when they were getting the ball back, they were getting it back with authority. Um, 
And I, I haven't seen Weber do that super well. I've seen them, you know, pick up wild balls, but, um, but it would be awesome if that could emerge in this match and then carry through into the tournament. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely pressure on the defense if that's the case. Uh, and that's a place where you want to be last thing on this. And then we'll look at the upcoming schedule. Sid Cole and KJ Ince have an absolutely, um, I think it's at this point in big sky tournament or in big sky play. I mean, it's a, it's a fairly legendary connection, right? Uh, so how do you slow that duo down? Because Sid Cole has proven herself to be a very capable um, setter, so much so that um, that they benched Daisy Schultz to play Sid Cole, which is saying something, right? Because Daisy Schultz is the Northern Colorado equivalent of Ashland Power. But they said, no, we're going to play Sid Cole over her last season. And now we saw... and. How, the impact that that has had for Sid Cole. She's been absolutely phenomenal this year in distributing the ball to her team. Northern Colorado offensively is a dynamo. And so slow them down. I think this is just one of the places where it excels to have defense as good as we have, right? We are, like you mentioned a second ago, we're in the top with blocks per set. Um, where we just are an incredible defensive team. And I think giving ourselves credit for that, because it's easy to look at a matchup like this and start to think, oh gosh, like, how are we going to defend that? But we need to give ourselves credit too with our defense, right? And it's a whole team. So we've got to have the offense to cover, but I think, I think we have the capability of any team in the big sky and heck a heck of a whole lot of teams across the nation, right. That we, we can uh, play defense against that. It's just being in that space and realizing it. David, final word to you on Northern Colorado. How do you slow down that offense? Uh, um, ride of the Valkyries, you know, David likes the Valkyrie lineup, man. With I do, I do. See it. That's that's usually where we're starting. There are one rotation back so that we go into it as soon as we side out the first time. So put that, put that big block up there. Um, and uh, and good things can happen. All right. So let's talk about the upcoming schedule, folks. Like we said, Thursday, November 10th, Wildcats taking the trip up to Flagstaff to play the, the Northern Arizona Lumberjacks, 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Match will be on ESPN+. Plus. Then Saturday, November 12th, Wildcats taking the trip over to Greeley, facing Northern Colorado, defending conference champions, as we know, because they won it on our floor, which I hate, in five sets. <sighs> That match will be a 6 p.m. Mountain Stands. Then the final week of the regular season will be at home for the Wildcats. Club Swenson, um, Montana State first on November 17th, Thursday. Uh, that match will be a 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Get your tickets, WeberStateSports.com or ESPN+. Uh, as we have said a number of times this season, Weber State Weekly just so happens to have two season tickets to volleyball. So if you're hard up and you are looking for a ticket, just email us, hit us up, message us on social media. Glad to share those with you. Um, and so you can get in there and see the magic that is Club Swenson. And then the final match of the season, um, the Montana Grizz will come to town on Saturday, November 19th, 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Buy your tickets at WeberStateSports.com or watch on ESPN Plus like me. Then November 23rd through the 26th, as we as we mentioned, 
The conference tournament will be in Ogden again this year uh, because the Wildcats were regular season champs last year. And so keep our fingers crossed for next year. Yeah. Uh, if they can still poss- uh, manage still it. Still a possibility. Yeah, still a possibility that the Wildcats could continue that trend. Uh, so that match, uh, the conference tournament will be from November 23rd to the 26th. So it starts on Wednesday. We'll end on a Saturday. Uh, so check out the conference's website. I looked and I didn't see tickets available yet, uh, but they're there and uh, or they will be there soon. And so you'll have an opportunity to just show up and be a part of that and just watch the conference slate. Because even if you're not going to see the Wildcats, uh, a bunch of good, a lot of good teams, like we said, a lot of good volleyball will get played at Club Swenson that weekend. And um, who knows? Maybe you get to see the Wildcats play in the championship game one more time. It's house money. Yeah. Cheer off your Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Right. Cheer off that Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, perfect. So, uh, email us weaverstateweekly at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and the blog weaverstateweekly.com. Want to thank you, David Moore and Jessica Euler, for taking some time to chat with us here at Weber State Weekly tonight, all about volleyball. We'll wrap it up like we usually do. Weber State, Weber State, great, great, great. Go Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs>